This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Wheeler area, located at 1500 South Allen L. Bean Boulevard in Wheeler, Texas. Our regular meeting times are at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. each Sunday. Come join us as we seek to worship God in spirit and in truth. When you speak with a person who is getting on up in years, and I, I identify with that. I know David does too. Um, you don't have to talk to them very long to get a sense of what's on their mind. And you get a sense of what they think is important right now. And, and you get a, an understanding of where their mindset is. And I guess it's always been this way uh, when Jesus knew that his, the end of his life was imminent, it wasn't very, very long in coming, uh, we can read some words of his that, uh, that reveals to us that that was the case with him as well. In John, the 17th chapter, beginning in the 20th verse, Jesus said as, as he knew that the time of his crucifixion was coming, he said, neither pray I, for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. You know what was on Jesus' mind at this time? Unity. Now, Jesus didn't have the concerns that some of us have. Jesus knew that he was doing God's will. He knew he was doing what God expected him to do. But he was concerned about unity of the church. That's where his mind was. And you might say, well, it didn't do any good as you look out on the religious world today. But I would argue that point that his prayer for unity was a wonderful prayer and a great prayer and that it was greatly accomplished. But that's a different discussion for a different day. The point is I want to make to you right now is his mind at this time was on very focused, very singular, and it was on unity. We're no different than that. And the Apostle Peter was no different than that as well. The text that we'll be predominantly studying from this morning will be 2 Peter, the first chapter, a few verses, 12 through 15, 12 through 14, somewhere in there. We'll be studying a few verses and focusing our thoughts on that this morning. And we will see what Peter was focused on at a time in his life when he knew that his days were growing short. Now, I don't know how long it was before Peter was crucified at this time, but he knew that it wasn't. Too long. Wasn't going to be too much longer. May have been weeks, may have been months, may have been years, I don't know. But, but still in his frame of mind, uh, it wasn't too long. And I think we can learn a lot of things about what was on Peter's mind at this time. Some things that he considered important. You know, what was it that a, an old apostle thought about at this time? Now, we know that Peter was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write the epistles of Peter. We know that. But if you read these words that he wrote very carefully, you'll see that he was all in. He was, he was passionate 
about what he was writing about. It was important to him. It was important to him to get this word out, to get it to other people, in spite of the fact that they, it was somewhat redundant. And you're going to find out that what we talk about this morning is a, is a little bit of redundance. You're going to possibly, if you were here in some of our previous studies, you'll realize that we touched on these things in other studies. But I want to focus in on them a little more closely this morning. But just the topic that was on Peter's mind is a topic of redundancy because it was a topic of reminding people. He wanted to remind people, and that in and of itself is redundant. Perhaps he thought this because of a, a time that not too long before that when he needed that exact same thing. In Luke, the 22nd chapter, and about the 21st verse, uh, as the time was growing near that Jesus was going to be taken captive, he was going to be arrested. He was going to be put on trial, mock trial. He was going to be crucified. He was going to raise from the grave. Just shortly before all these things happened, he sat down with the apostles, and particularly Peter. And he said to Peter, he said, Simon, Satan has desired thee that he may sift thee as wheat. And then he says this, but I have prayed for thee that thou faith faileth not. And when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. Now what? Wait a minute. Peter has walked with Jesus for years and years. Peter thought at one time he was the man. He thought he was kind of maybe if you want to put a boss of the apostle. Peter, Peter thought maybe he was the boss of the apostles. And you're telling me that I'm not even converted? From a sinner? What's the deal? You see, Jesus was telling Peter things that Peter thought he already knew. But he was wrong. He wasn't ready yet. When thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. How would you be li like to be hit with that phrase? You're not where you think you are, Peter. A reminder that... He has growing to do. You know, I get that reminder quite often. I don't know about you. There are several things that I think we can learn from this viewpoint that Peter has, these passages that we want to look at for a little bit this morning. And it's just a very few passages, and, and we'll pick out different things in these passages to look, look at. The first thing I want you to consider was Peter's respect, uh, perspective on the need to be reminded. You know, we don't always like to be reminded. Uh, sometimes we feel a little bit insulted when we're reminded. But usually when we're insulted, it's because we needed to be reminded. And that's kind of the point where Peter was at this time. Uh, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12, he has a concern. And you might say that concern is that he doesn't want to be negligent. He wants to do what he's supposed to do. But if you look at his words very carefully, I think you'll see that that's not really the case. There in verse 12, he says, Wherefore, 
I will not be negligent. It's not that he's worried about being negligent. He said, it's not going to happen. I'm not going to be negligent. He says, I'm not going to be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them and be established in the present truth. I don't care whether you know these things or not. I don't care whether you're following these things or not. I'm going to tell you about these things right now. I'm not going to be negligent. You see the passion that Peter had for the subject? Do you see how important he thought it was? He said, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to be negligent. Furthermore, in verse 13, he thinks it's proper. Yea, I think it meet or proper or needful or necessary. I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. There's some things I need to remind you of. Maybe he needed to remind them for himself. Maybe he needed to remind them because he knew they needed to be reminded. He was even taking steps to ensure that they were reminded after he was gone. How was he doing that? He was in the process of writing his epistle right now. He was... He was inspired by the Holy Spirit, as we know, as Jesus said they would be. But he was sitting somewhere at this time writing these words. Why? Because he knew he wasn't always going to be around. And he knew people were going to need to be reminded. And he was making provisions. Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. That's how important it was. It wasn't important that he was there, and he knew that. It wasn't important that he lived or died. He knew that. But it was important that the things that people needed to know could be brought to their remembrance after he was long gone. So why do you think it was important? Why why was this so important? Frequent one, reminding, can stir us up. It's not as though they didn't know. He said, I know you know this. He said, I know you do. He said, I know you're established in what you've already heard and read and and studied and understood and been taught. Verse 12, Peter was doing what Jesus told him to do a long time ago. When Jesus said, strengthen the brethren, that's what Peter was doing. It's what he was doing right now. There's always a need to stir up. Verse 13. Yea, and I think it meet as long as I am with you in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you into remembrance. That phrase, to stir you up, means in the Greek, diegiro, to wake fully, to arise, to stir up. You ever thought about it being in the form of to wake up? Jack, you ever been told by your dad to wake up? Wake up! You're not paying attention. Wake up! That's what the, that's what the meaning is here. Ephesians 5 and 14, the Apostle Paul writes, writes a, a similar uh, scripture. He says... Wherefore he saith, Awake, 
thou that sleepest and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. A little different word. You know why it's a different word? Because to stir up comes from this word. This word is egiro, which is where the other word came from. It means to awake, to rouse, and to activity. Now, chapter 5 of Ephesians is a continuation of, of exhortations that began in chapter 4. One of those exhortations is to wake up. Not only wake up, but to wake up into activity. What does that mean? Jack, get up. We got things to do. We got business to take care of. If you read further in, that, in the chapter of Ephesians 5 there, you know that Paul said for them to walk circumspectly. What's that mean? Look all the way around. Pay attention to everything that's all the way around. That's what's being said here. Awake. Take care of business. Pay attention to what's going on. Notice those things that are going to be bad for you. Notice the things that are strengthening you. Draw close to those things. Move further away from those things that are difficulties for you. That's what Peter's telling these people here. Paul said if you do that, Christ will give thee light. What does that mean? He'll give you understanding. He'll help you realize the things you need to realize. He'll help you understand and have knowledge of those things that you need to know to be able to avoid the pitfalls, to be able to draw toward those things that strengthen you. The tendency for us as human beings is to become apathetic and become slack in our spiritual life. We don't even realize it. But that's our tendency. And Peter was reminding those people here at this time and by extension us today not to do that to always be stirred up <clears throat> somehow we need to be constantly awakened constantly provoked constantly uh, prodded uh, motivated to do the things that we already know Maybe many of the things that we're already doing, but we need to be prodded to continue doing them. Be reminded of things that are important. And one way to do this is, as Peter said, to be stirred up. To always be reminded and stirred up. One way we can do this is to be around other Christians. Let us consider one another to provoke and to love and good works, Hebrews 10 and 24 says. You know what provoke means? To prod. To motivate. Let us consider one another to love and to good works, to provoke. You know, through my week, the equipment tears up. The cows tear the fence down. It doesn't rain. The wind blows. It's too cold. It's too hot. Just everything. All bad. And then I come into church on Sunday morning, spend a few hours here. It's all gone. Not any problems. Those problems are all back in the rear view mirror 
stays that way all day. By the time you get to Monday morning, most of the times in the back of my mind, I've thought of some way to solve the problems that all showed up on Friday and Saturday. But on Sunday, those problems don't exist. That's how people are provoked to love and good works. That's how. He goes on to say, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. What day? Not sure. Could be Sunday. Could be the day of judgment. Not sure what day. But no matter what it is, there's a day approaching and we need to be together. And the more we're together, the better off we are. I've said it many times. It is not, there is no time it is easier to live a Christian life than when you're surrounded by other Christians. It's just not. That's the easiest time it will ever be. When you're around non-Christians, it's hard. But when you're around Christians, it's easy to live a Christian life. So how do we stir one another up? We're around one another. There's nobody I'd rather be around than the group of people that's in this building right now. Because my problems go away when I'm around this group of people. <clears throat> Peter was writing words at this time that could be studied later. So Bible study is another way to be stirred up, to be provoked. Chapter 1, verse 15, excuse me. Moreover, I have endeavored that you may be able after my decease. See, he didn't even have to be there. Peter said, I don't even need to be there. You can read the words and you can understand what God wants for you. You can be stirred up simply by Bible study. Sometimes I don't think I fully appreciate the importance of being reminded. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of times I sat in, in a seat, listen to someone speaking, and think, I, I know this. I know this already. I've heard this a thousand times. Does it stand out to you a little bit more when you hear an aged apostle say that you need to be reminded of these things? This is what's needful. That's what Peter was doing. He said you need to continually, constantly be reminded of these things. And we'll talk about these things in a little bit. Peter also had a perspective of his own body, his own physical body, and of his death that we, we ignore a lot of times. You know, Paul wrote extensively about death and, and uh, that time of life. Peter, not so much, but he did write about it. He did have thoughts about it. Peter said, the body is a tent. Now, in the King James, he actually said tabernacle. But in the New King James and many other uh, translations of the Bible, it's translated tent. And I, I like that. I like that thought. I like that comparison. In this life, you know, we think about a, a tabernacle, a building. And that's more permanent. But a tent, we know, 
is just temporary. Charlene and, and Matt and Brahman took Landry and Travis and Jack on a camping trip this Friday, Friday and Saturday. Uh, spent the night in a tent. I hadn't got a chance to talk to Jack and, and Travis much, but I talked to Landry a little bit. Uh, you didn't want to spend me more nights in the tent, did you, Landry? Pretty temporary, wasn't it? He, he was about ready to go home, get in his own bed. You see, a tent's temporary. And that's, that's the use of the word here. Yea, I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle. He's not talking about a building. He's talking about his body, his physical body. At this time, Peter was somewhere locked in a, some kind of a shack, a hovel of some kind. He was probably hiding from the Roman government, and he was writing these words. But he wasn't writing about the, the hut he was in at the time. He was writing about his body. He said, it's a tabernacle, it's a tent, it's temporary. It's not a long-term place. In verse 14, he says, knowing that shortly I must put off this, my tabernacle. Not talking about his house. Shortly, this body is not going to house me anymore. Shortly, I'm going to die. He didn't know in what way or what form or fashion. He just knew his time was coming to an end. But he said, this tent of my body is going is to be put off. I'm going to have to put it off. It's just a temporary housing. Uh, it's just a place for his soul while he walks here on the face of this earth. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, And fear not them which are able to kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but fear, rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. There's a lot of misunderstanding about this scripture. Jesus said, Don't fear them which are able to kill the body, which is what Peter was about to put off. He said, don't worry about that. He said, brother, they're not able to kill the soul. Did you know that there's only one being that can destroy a soul? And that's the one that made the soul. That's God. There's no other man, there's no other being, there's no other creation that can kill a soul. Jesus said, rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Somebody says, well, what about Satan? He's going to be in charge in hell. He can destroy the soul. Satan's not in charge in hell. He's just stuck there like everybody else. And he doesn't want to be there. He wants to be somewhere else. But he's stuck there because that's where he deserves to be. And that's where we'll deserve to be if we're not faithful to God. God is the one that places the soul in hell if it's, if it's not faithful to him. Rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Don't fear the ones that are able to kill the body. <clears throat> Paul's concept of this was the same. 2 Corinthians 5 verses 1 and 2, Paul said, For we know that our earthly house of this tabernacle, same word, same word, same tent, same body, if this body were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Now look what he says in verse 2. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. Paul said, we earnestly groan and be desired to have that eternal spirit, to be clothed in that eternal spirit, that eternal body. 
Not that we want to leave this earth. We've got loved ones. We've got reasons to stay here. But we need to understand from, Paul, from Peter's perspective at this time that he knew, Paul knew, that it was better. A better life was coming. A better body was coming. A better day was coming than this one right here. Far better. Not even measurable. That's the perspective that they had. Peter goes on and says that death is like putting off a tent or an exodus. And we'll talk about the exodus in just a moment. But Peter speaks of, of his impending death. And he says something here in, in verse 14 that I want you to notice. Knowing that shortly I must put off this tab, my tabernacle, even as the Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. Now when did Jesus show him this? So Peter already knew this was going to happen. When did Jesus show him? Possibly it was in John chapter 21 we'll look at here in just a moment. After the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus, uh, the apostles didn't know what to do. And Peter said, I'm going fishing. And the rest of the apostles said, well, we'll go with you. So they went fishing. And they had fished all night and not caught anything. And as the day began to dawn, they looked over on the shore and there was somebody standing on the shore. They didn't know who it was. But the man on the shore said, have you caught anything? They said, no, we fished all night and we ain't caught nothing. And he said, let down your nets for another draw. And when they did, they couldn't, couldn't pull them in. Too many fish. And John looked at Peter and said, that's the Lord. What about that realization when he knew that was the Lord? So Peter jumps in the water and he swims to shore and the rest of them row the boat in. and They, they get to shore and realizing that it's the Lord and the Lord had them breakfast made. When they got there, and uh, Jesus spoke these words to Peter. He said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. You walked where you wanted to. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This he spake, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, follow me. You see, Jesus showed Peter the process of his death. He describes his dying as putting off my tent. Again, in verse 14, <clears throat> knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle. Now I want you to notice this little word right here, I. Don't think about that much, but you know what he's talking about right here? My soul. I, the real me, my soul. That's what, that's what Peter's talking about. I, my soul, must put off this tent 
my body, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. You see, Peter knew the difference between the body and the soul. He knew the soul continued after the body died, and that's what he was concerned about. That's what he thought was important at this time. And isn't that a contrast to so many people today that think that the the soul and the body are the same thing? When the body's gone, the soul is too. It's just not true. And Peter knew it wasn't true. And he knew that people needed to be reminded of this, that this life, when this, when this body is gone, this life is over, the soul continues. Further in describing his death, he uses the, the Greek word exodus. Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be after, able after my decease to have these things always in your remembrance. The word deceased there is exodus. It's the same exodus that the Israelites performed when they came out of the land of Egypt. Same word. It's a type of death, a departing, a decease. That's what Peter describes it at. Far from viewing death as the end, Peter just viewed it as a changing from one, one place to another. Changing out of a place of bondage, sin, into a more perfect place, a better place. You know, I think without a doubt, if we can adopt this type of, of attitude toward our own death as we age and get older or at any point in our time, our apprehension of death is not so strong anymore. When we see how Peter looked at it, he was, he was actually looking forward to it. It's going to be a better time, a better way, a better life. He was looking forward to it. Certainly it helps us keep in perspective things that are important in this life. So finally I want to look at the, what Peter thought was, was really important. His perspective on, on what was really important. And he mentions it twice. That's why I say that this is what he thought was really important. The fact that back to back he brought, brought this, this thought forward. He said first, verse 12, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. And then secondly he said, Moreover I will endeavor that you may be able after my decease to have these things always in your remembrance. So what things? These things. Twice he mentions these things. What things? What are we talking about? <clears throat> the growing in knowledge of Jesus Christ. We talked about that extensively in our last study. The things referred to by Peter in the preceding verses. These things. Those are the things that he said was most important. Those things which are necessary to grow in understanding and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Verses 5 through 11 list them as this. To be diligent, to add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. Peter said that's important. That's what's important. Why? 
Because if you do that, then you will neither be found barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of Jesus Christ our Lord. That's what Peter said. If you apply those things to your life, if you grow in those things, then you won't be barren and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Does this not say something about the importance that Peter thought it had on spiritual lives? Does this not say what he thought was urgent in the final days of his life? He knew his life on this earth was short. And in what little time he had left, this is what he wanted taught. This is what he wanted people to understand. Even in his, his very last thoughts of this writing, of this epistle, in 1 Peter 3 and 18, he, he said the same thing. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. That was his final thoughts on the subject. <clears throat> I hope it's evident to you this morning that growing in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ as defined by Peter in these few verses should be of great importance to a Christian. Great importance. Certainly there are other things that have their place. You know, the, the identity, the organization, the work, the worship of the church, that should be important as well. But for a specific personal goal, to be a follower of Christ, to be a disciple of Christ, to be pleasing to Christ, we have to grow in knowledge of Christ. If there's any priority, whether you're a, a new, new Christian, whether you're a young person, whether you're an old person, whether you've been in the scriptures for years or you're just newly baptized, it is a priority to grow in knowledge of Jesus. It's what Peter thought about in his final days. You know, I've, I've been lucky enough to be able to talk to, to several aged Christians over the years. And without a doubt, it's, it's always the conversation will come around to what they think is important. They, they, know, they don't know how much time they have left, but they know that they're getting older and the time is growing short. I've seen them have express a desire to make sure that there's nobody anywhere in the world that feels like they've ever done them any wrong. They want everyone to know how much they love them. These are the things. And I've benefited by being able to, to talk to people at that time in their life and realize how important they thought these things were. <clears throat> they knew by experience that life was a vapor and that it wasn't going to be around forever. And for them, it wasn't going to be around much longer. They knew this. But what they really wanted was they wanted you to understand it too. They wanted you to realize it. What a privilege it must have been for Christians in that time to be able to listen to Peter talk about these things, to, to be able to sit and listen to his words of exhortation and warning, to receive counsel from a person that had struggled mightily to follow God. He had had his difficulties, he had had his downfalls, he had had his, his problems, he had had his failures, but he still struggled mightily. To serve Jesus faithfully. 
And that's what he was doing at this time. Fortunately for us, Peter was not going to be denied. And he fulfilled what he was supposed to fulfill, which he, he, he left these things. He left these things as a reminder for us. He left these things as a reminder for everything. So I encourage you this morning to take advantage of that. To take advantage of Peter's thoughts and teachings and allow his reminders to stir you up. Most of us here in this, in this setting this morning have, have been in attendance to a gospel meeting. And we, we try to stir each other up every week, and, and we should, and, and we do that. I know this congregation is very good at doing that in one, one way or another. But for those of you that have been involved in a gospel meeting, by the end of the week, you are lit. You are ready to battle anything. You're ready to face anything. You're ready to go through anything to spread the gospel. That's being stirred up. That's what it is. And that's what Peter wanted for those people and wants for us today. To be stirred up like that. To try to be like that each and every day. To be reminded. But Peter also taught us, every one of us, about other things as well. In Acts 2 and 38 Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. He taught us that. And we talk about that a lot, and we should talk about that a lot. And I don't want to in any way diminish that teaching because it is necessary. Not only is it necessary, it's, it's imperative because we can't have forgiveness of sins we can't have our sins forgotten unless we repent and, be, and, and are baptized in the name of our Father and Son and Holy Spirit for the remission of sins. We can't have that. But there's another phrase in that scripture that I think we ignore a lot of times. If we do that, he says, ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. We don't talk about that a lot. Why? Well, it's a hard subject to understand. There's a lot of mystery surrounding the Holy Spirit. So we just avoid it a little bit. Did you know that promise right there is what will help you to be reminded of the things that you need to do, the ways you need to live? That promise is it. How that promise is going to come to you, I don't know. Maybe it will come in the form of someone coming to you and studying with you from the Bible and helping you to understand. Maybe that's the way the promise will be fulfilled. Maybe the promise will be fulfilled by you studying yourself and understanding the Word of God. Maybe it will come to you in the form of someone encouraging you and helping you and desiring only the best for you. Maybe that will be the way the Holy Spirit appears to you and helps you. But that's a promise, and it's a promise that we will receive. It's not a slack promise. It's something we will receive, and it's a wonderful promise, and it's the most wonderful gift that we could ever have been given on this earth. How important is that gift to you this morning? Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. 
If you have questions about what you have heard or would like to know more information, please contact us by emailing cfcwheelerarea at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook or Instagram and send us a message there.